Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's me, your co-host, Jenny Scott. I am here with a special co-host with me. I have of none other than ISSA and CPT boot campaign, John Bauer. How are you, John? Thank you. You know, thank you for having me back. You know, I, I know the last time was probably a tryout, so I'm glad it went well. <laughs> <laughs> you passed. <laughs> no, I'm happy to have you with me. Dan is traveling or He's otherwise unavailable. So we're going to have John step in and host with me today, which is awesome because he actually knows our guest. And John is still a wealth of information, you guys. You're going to love having him here. Another perspective, which I love. Um, I want to apologize at first, guys. You guys have heard my voice now for almost a year on this podcast. My voice is a little rough today, John. I started coaching my all my sports teams, my high school volleyball, my college volleyball teams, both men and women, and my basketball conditioning group. So it's like all week, it's been a lot of yelling, go, 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 stop, go, go. Like this, my voice is fried today and my voice needs a workout. Like it needs to be more conditioned. <laughs> so, well, as a, as a former basketball coach, completely get it. Yes. Yeah. My voice needs a rest. It's looking forward to the weekend and I'm not going to talk to anybody, <laughs> but John, I'll let you introduce our guest today. Who do we have with us? Sure. So today we've got a longtime fitness professional, over 20 years of experience in the field. So he's a veteran of the fitness profession. He's a studio owner. He is educated. There's degrees, there's certifications. Uh, he's an international speaker uh, and helps to educate a lot of fitness professionals all over the world. He's someone who's been nominated or won several fitness industry awards. And then most importantly, he's one of Sacramento's finest fitness professionals yes. uh, out there. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little biased. I'm from Sacramento myself, and I'm actually here right now. Uh, but welcome, Greg Johnson. Thank you very much. Well, that, you really talked me up there. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it, it is great to be on here. It's good to see you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I got to promote uh, uh, fellow fitness professionals, but again, very importantly, Sacramento fitness professionals. <laughs> you guys are biased. <laughs> we're, we're rolling up here. I, I, I would, I kind of agree with that. We have a lot of great people up here. We all great gyms, great trainers, and we all stay connected. It's great. Nice. I love it. Well, maybe I'll have to make a trip up there. I've actually, I've been to Napa, but I've never been anywhere else in Northern California, you guys. So I feel like I need to come check it out. So a little, a little, a little touristy. There's, there's more to do. There's more to do. I know. Sure. I, it wasn't my choice. <laughs> <laughs> but the food was good. I like. Do you guys have Gotts Roadside there in Sacramento? No, is that an Napa thing? Not, um, not that I know of. I don't it's know. It's like a super fancy fast food restaurant and they have Brussels sprouts <laughs> and they are but, um, amazing. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the fitness industry. Sure. Oh, I'll try to give you the abridged version because uh, every, everything I've done, I never intended to do. So it's kind of gone that road. But um, so mm -hmm. I'm actually originally from New England. And I, I went to school to get my bachelor's degree, and I was planning on moving out to California to go into physical therapy school. And uh, working with physical therapy clinics, was doing a little bit of fitness at the time. And I kind of, I realized a lot of injuries that we saw in physical therapy were coming from not only fitness, but people trying to do their own fitness, working with trainers, um, sports, 
And it made me realize very quickly after my like eight to 10 years of physical therapy that, wow, a lot of this stuff could have been prevented. Like, I mean, accidents happen for sure, but a lot of these non-contact injuries, bad back, stuff like that. So I kind of started dabbling more into to fitness and the physical therapy clinic that I started working out here in California also happened to specialize in golf. Uh, now, in no way, shape or form would I ever consider going into golf fitness. So I, that was a random one of I showed up at this guy's door to give him a resume and all of a sudden he's I need help with the golf, too. So fitness kind of took off and what was kind of a casual plan B very, very quickly became my, my plan A. Uh, so from there I did, uh, personal training in that physical therapy clinic, then became basically my own business an independent contractor. Uh, I had said originally that I, I would never want my own business. I have no interest in after going to enough live events and Todd Durkin motivating me, I decided to, I, I can be my own business, but I would never want a brick and mortar, um, in going to <laughs> being encouraged enough and having a wonderful, uh, clientele. I ended up opening my own business. So I've now had business. Yeah. I I blame so I blame everybody else for for everything that I've done. I had no intentions of working in golf fitness, no intentions of being a personal trainer, no intentions of owning my own business, no intentions of owning a brick and mortar. Yet here I am 20 plus years later. (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. And your studio, we can see his studio behind him, but you guys can't. Um, tell us a little bit about your studio. What kind of training do you do there? Yeah, so I have a 2,000 square foot studio in in, uh, in Sacramento called Veramax Fitness. Um, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, probably less than a year before I opened this, I won an award from TPI in Life Fitness called Chance of the Best, which basically allowed me to purchase TPI, which is one of the best golf fitness facilities in the world, purchase their equipment. Um, it definitely was not cheap, but it was a lot more than I was originally planning on putting in here. So it's a 2,000 square foot facility. So we're predominantly a one-on-one training studio. Uh, everything that we do is either one-on-one or small group. And small group is basically semi-private. Uh, prior to COVID, we were doing four clients per trainer. Right now, we're still kind of at two to three as we're opening back up. Sacramento's still numbers are flying here and there. So um, every, everything's based on, with an instructor. It's not your typical open and closed gym. And we just have an awesome group of clients. Uh, our main thing is retention here. And it's just... It's it's a great great space, great facility. It turned out exactly the way I wanted it to be. Nice, nice. And I know that. So sorry, John. I was gonna say I know that starting a facility can be expensive. To your point, but in California, it's really expensive, huh? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, yeah, and there's there's a whole bunch of things, and I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows this, but there's a whole bunch of things they just don't tell us in the phys- in the personal training books or in school. If, uh, I was in. I'm open about this now because I, I hopefully somebody will learn from it. Um, I was under suspension and I had no idea why, because there are taxes that I literally didn't even know about. And no one tells you that. Um, so I had a property tax on the equipment. So I was paying that, but I didn't realize there was a different property tax on everything else. Um, and then combining those in an LLC tax. And when you pay in 2016, it's actually for 2016, not like when you do your taxes. So when I, when I, created an LLC in 2016 to start my business in 2017, I was already a year behind because it's due in April. So the fact, the fact that I opened my gym in January of 2017, I still owed an entire LLC, which in California is a minimum of $800 for the year before only because that's when I established my LLC. So (laughs) 
lot of a lot of things that I had never known. And I talked to a lot of people before opening in five and a half years in, I'm still learning things. So never never, never put your head down. Right. Yeah, Greg, you, you kind of segued into into my question. Um, you know, as a as a business owner, there's a lot of things that you can learn and certainly things can can be tough. It sounds like you learned some lessons about taxes already, but any other important lessons that you might want to share with our listeners? Um, the one of the best pieces of advice that was given to me was basically like before you even think about starting a business, um, it just know that however much you're working now, it's going to be more. And most of the people tried to talk me out of it because they wanted to see if I was really ready. Most of the people already know that I was already putting in 16 hour days. And it, it's something that I tend to still do sometimes, especially coming out of COVID. But when you're opening a business, just know it's going to be a lot of long hours. No one can do what you do until you start teaching those other people how to do it. If you put down a business plan, and if you think it's going to take a certain amount of money to, to open a business, to run a business, double it. And assume what you're going to take in revenue and half it. And if you still think you can make it. And I did that. And I will be the first to say those projections were still way off. Like I said, I had projected, again, I have no problem throwing these numbers out here. I had projected basically seventy-five dollars to $100,000 just to open the doors, the equipment, the flooring, uh, that's the start of the lease, all this stuff just to get in. And it, it was easily over that. So at first I was like, yeah, 50000 So I got to double that. So that's 100000 And I flew over that. Um, just because things just continue to add up, don't go as planned, take longer. And I was very, very fortunate. If I look back at it, I probably was not as ready as I thought I was to open this place when it came to income. So I made this huge mistake of selling these gargantuan packages of like six months and year of training to try to get money in the door. And the reality is all that money was already spent. So then all of a sudden I went months without legitimate revenue. Uh, so that was yeah. a huge mistake. I learned that the hard way. Numerous people have said that to me since then. So where were you five years ago? But I mean, a, a lot of this stuff is like, th this money is not mine. And like, <laughs> so it took me a while to even get a paycheck. So when I first opened my mm -hmm. business, I'm like, hey, look at this money in my bank account. That that was gone. Like, <laughs> So I, I jumped on one of the best things that we learned. Um, Samantha Cordova, who owned her business down in Alameda, uh, we've now joined forces. She's taken a lot of my administrative staff uh, stuff on. But one of the best things that we learned about was the profit first system and how to actually understand money. And when this money comes in, it's it's already taken care of. It's not like, oh, let's see what's in the account and decide what to do with it then. Like, I mean, the money thing is big when it comes to running a facility, owning a facility. And I mean, every year, again, not just in California, I think everywhere right now, everything's going up. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't survive off what we did last year. We need to be able to make more. Um, no one's a fan of raising prices, but we we raise prices. So it's just money, I think, is the big thing that people really have a hard time with. And I'll be the first to say, because I went through a major hard point on my own personal finances. Uh, yeah. When I first moved out to California, I went into a whole bunch of debt, never recovered from it, finally had to go into a consolidation. Uh, don't feel good about that, but it, it taught me a lot. Uh, so it's m money, I think, is outside of like actual training and training the clients. Like, I wish I could just show up and train people all day. I'll do that 24 hours a day. I love yeah. that stuff. But it's everything else. Like, I'm not passionate. That is not my passion. <laughs> That's not what I want to do. So finding people to do it and understanding how that money works is probably the biggest thing I would encourage anyone to do before just jumping into this. 
Yeah. So when you talk about growth though, too, you made a really good point. Like what you made last year is not going to cut it this year. How are you outside of raising prices, which is kind of a sign of the times with everything that's been going on and inflation and all that kind of stuff. But how else are you growing your business? Sure. I, I'll say my my number one business growth, and this is not an easy, quick thing that happens in a, in a couple like weeks or months, but it's retention. Um, we actually, I had a conversation with uh, MindBody actually, and they said our, our retention numbers are outstanding. Nice. Uh, we, we basically have an 80 to 90% retention rate. I have clients that are still in the store from before I opened it five years ago. So our goal is we just need to slowly continue to bring in new clients because I know that they're going to get what they need out of me and out of us. So once they're here and they understand that this is a lifelong journey, not a uh, get uh, fit quick in 12 weeks type of thing. So it's always retention first. It's building relationships, making sure those people are here. And that way you don't need to rely on trying to get thousands of leads a week to try to like yeah. fly in your doors. Um, and then obviously like when we hire new trainers, just reminding them like, Hey, just so you know, we have some spots open up. We've just expanded our schedule. So if you know anyone who's interested, by all means, let us know now because I can't guarantee there's going to be spots left. So it, we, we are very, very lucky. Like it is a rarity to get on our schedule now. Um, so that's why we need to continue to grow and build. So that, that's part of it. And I know that's not easy for an up and coming gym, but word of mouth goes a long way. Treating people with respect, developing those relationships is by far my number one. And technically it's free marketing is just making sure that people understand how much you care about them, making sure they're getting results. And, and that goes a long way. Yeah. I love that. Retention is big, right, John? Even if you're working in a club, it would be applicable. Well, it's it's way cheaper to uh, to retain people than to continue to go out there and market and and have to get all these new people and these new clients or just potential new clients. So yeah, it's it's absolutely much less out of your pocket to keep people, and then you're you're in much a you're in a much better position to have great results out of people the longer that you have them. So it's a really great story and a really great point, Greg. Earlier, I mentioned all the uh, education you have, but it sounds like a lot of the more recent education in terms of business and business practices has really paid off for you. And I think that's a great message for our listeners because a lot of people want to open up their own business because maybe they think it's kind of the easier way to uh, be a fitness professional and to get to be their own boss and all those glamorous things. Uh, but it sounds like what you're talking about is having to do the work, having to become a little bit more expert in things that you're not as passionate about um, is, is a real key to your success. Absolutely. And I, when I first got into this industry, I was I had a major confidence issue. The, the main reason you see all those pieces of papers and certifications and letters after my name that I no longer really care about is because I just didn't think I knew enough. Um, coming from a physical therapy world, those guys are really smart. <laughs> so mm -hmm. trying to keep up with them, I would go to this certification, this certification, this credential. This, and like I would try to get as much knowledge as possible. And it wasn't until I started getting into the, the training field where I would talk to other trainers and they're like, you're speaking on on a level I've never even heard of. So, which, which kind of started giving me that confidence boost. So at the beginning of my career, I went crazy with information, knowledge, because at the end of the day, I mean, you can have the best facility in the world, but if you're a bad trainer, you're still not going to keep those clients if you're injuring people. So it still matters to be a great trainer. But at this level in my game, like it's not about teaching someone how to squat. It's about connecting with why do you want to squat? Why do you want to get strong? Uh, it was like things like that. So it, at first of it was like education, credentials, this and the other thing. Then it was building the business, building the brand. Now, I, I think the biggest thing that's missed as an industry is creating relationships. 
developing those relationships and not just like, for example, like connecting with you guys, that idea where it was so good to be live again. You just, you can't get that in person, in, in, in video, but like connecting with people, creating relationships, constantly talking to people because when someone comes into your gym, their goals change all the time. Sure. Uh, I, I, I jokingly say half my clients are here just to solely just make up for their lifestyle. <laughs> so and I, I mean, I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we kind of have a joke like Veramax Fitness. Just imagine what we'd look like if we didn't work out. So it's like, I don't know if we're going to keep that as a tagline, but it is it's like pe- people know, like, look, Greg, I'm not going to give up this. I'm not going to stop doing this. And I'm all right, cool. Then we're going to we're going to find how to work and get you where you want to be in the meantime. So it's relationships. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, cool. that, that's most people. Hey, guys, it's time for another rapid review. Joey had this to say about our certified personal training course, that he highly recommended this course to anyone looking into personal training. Well, we appreciate that, Joey. Thanks. Hey, Greg. So, so Greg, (laughs) earlier you you mentioned about falling into golf fitness, and I kind of did the same thing about 13 or or 14 years ago. The difference is you stuck with it and I didn't. So so what really kind of motivated you to stick with it and then kind of reach some pretty high levels uh, with all this golf training, because I, I know I told you this before, but I, I would walk around the gym I was managing and occasionally I'd see your face on the golf channel as I'm walking by and I'm like, man, this yeah. guy's really doing it. So so what motivated you to, to stick with it and, and reach the levels that you have? Yeah. I, so ironically, I just I, I, I was at a, a golf fitness summit type of thing, a meeting, and there was probably 20 people in the room and they immediately came to me and said, well, since you're the, the wiry veteran at all this and I'm like, wait, what? Like, and I thought about that, like I've been in golf fitness for over 15 years. And if you really think about it, golf fitness was really not around 15 years ago. Like what things like uh, Adam Scott and Tiger Woods, the stuff that they were doing was really kind of unheard of. So the reason I started with it is because I was on the physical therapy side of things. Most people came to me because they had a bad back and yeah, it'd be great if they could hit the ball longer. But I mean, I want to play golf. This is where I do business or I want to play golf because this is what would I do with my friends? And I just want to be able to play longer and I hurt. So 15, 20 years ago, golf fitness was injury prevention and rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And I got very, very fortunate with the, uh, not only the physical therapists that I work with, but also just some of the people that I casually got connected with where I happened to start working with a world long drive champion. Um, oh, cool. And, and I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I, I worked with a, a male and female long drive champion on back-to-back years, but it was not because they saw me like they didn't. I mean, I was able to just fine tune their program because they were just missing these small, tiny things into this day. Like I have another long driver that I'm working with now. We are not going crazy in here. Those guys are athletic. It's understanding what that person needs. So I, I kind of attacked it the same way I did everything else. Again, playing football for 14 years, that was my life. I Golf was not a sport to me. I'm like, yeah, that's cute. <laughs> I'll play with my buddies when I'm old. But um, <laughs> But the, the more I started helping people, like once that person does have a better back, the stuff that I was teaching them wasn't necessarily like golf specific, but it was, I just did air quotes, by the way, but golf, every time I say golf specific, it's probably air quotes, but, but what I found that, Hey, look, we're going to do this stuff to help you live better. And Oh, by the way, it'll probably help you play better golf. So what I found right away is I actually knew a lot more about training golfers. And I thought I did because I understood how to get people to move better. And that just started to propel. And I just, again, it's, it, it ended up just building that confidence. So it, it was never, ever, ever intended to be one of my specialties. 
But when I got good enough at it, people kept referring people and it just became my specialty. Um, ironically, I have another new specialty, which is apparently equestrian. Uh, nice. I, I got good at it and people keep sending me and then a law enforcement. So most of my specialties were not in the plan. Like they, they arrived at my doorstep and I took them on. Okay, uh, I need to do this or I'm going to learn how to do it because this person that I happen to be working with right in front of me, I'm going to help them. And then they refer somebody else and then they refer somebody else. So it definitely became, it started as a, a um, like a physical therapy, injury prevention rehab program. And then thankfully I, I was luckily already in the field when golf fitness started booming. I, I would spend like sessions trying to convince my golfers to do uh, hex bar deadlifts or trap bar deadlifts. Oh, deadlifts, bad fear back. My doctor doesn't, this doesn't do that. And then all of a sudden, Roy McElroy jumps on Instagram with a 300 pound hex bar deadlift. Yeah. And, I mean, and it literally changed the industry. All of a sudden I had people walking the, Hey, what, what is this thing you have over here? I'm like, Oh, this thing I've been trying to get you to do for the past year and a half. Right. And so it's just all of a sudden now that there's, there's more social media, these guys, these guys are in the PGA are athletes. Now this yeah. is no longer looked at as uh, like John Daly can still hold his own, but I mean, trust me, these guys are athletes now. And now it's almost to the opposite effect these juniors are coming in. I want swing speed. I want power. I want box jumps. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just, you just hit your, your, your uh, peak velocities of growing. Like, mm-hmm. let's get some strength on those bones. You're tall, you're gangly, you have horrible posture from being in school. And so now it's, it's almost kind of come back around. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's pull back from the strength, power, speed, distance, and teach you how to be a better athlete. And that's kind of how like some of the junior golf stuff has come in and it's it's been a lot of fun. Considering I had no intention of doing this, it's been a blast. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, body control is huge in golf. Huge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I actually just a side note, Greg, I would like to be a long driver. I've decided because I'm actually a golfer. I haven't golfed in a yeah. while because I was prepping for a bodybuilding show, but I love golf and I'm decent yeah. for being three years into playing. Um, but I actually think I want a long drive. So I might have to pick your brain a little bit. Oh, um, I know that the thing is, though, people have to realize that if you know anything about a golf club, a driver, a long driver is longer than a regular driver. So the velocity of the club is very, yep. very different. So do they have to do much differently mechanically? No, but yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of really it comes down to equipment because they, yeah. they did pull the those back a little bit because they wanted to make it more accessible. So instead mm-hmm. of having these extra long clubs, now almost all the clubs that they use long drive actually have to be PGA tour qualified. Uh-huh. But um, for example, Ryan Winther, who won the, the 2012 world long drive, he probably could have won at least one or two more. The first year he went in prior to him seeing me, he just brought in eight clubs thinking, yeah, this will be plenty. And he broke them all. Oh my gosh. So now like when you, when you go to a long drive event, you got to, maybe it was four, eight, I don't remember, but either way, he, he basically couldn't, couldn't finish because he didn't have any more equipment. So uh-huh. now it's like in the, the stiffness of shaft and everything, the technology is crazy, but it's yeah. a different sport. Golf and long drive, in my opinion, are becoming two very, very different sports because it's a different swing, what yeah. they're learning now, but it's, 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 it's fun to work with both. That's so cool. And I love what you're talking about with golf, where it's not necessarily something that you were interested in, but you became really good at it because I have people all the time. I work with volleyball and basketball players. I don't play basketball. I played it. I can count on one hand how many times I've played basketball and guys at six feet tall, you would think I'd be okay at it. I am atrocious at basketball, but I can train the crud out of a basketball athlete of any age because I know the fundamental movements and the fundamental skills of the sport. That's all you have to learn, right? So you don't have to be a participant. Oh, absolutely. And, and all, I have several clients that invite to invite me to very prestigious clubs to play. And I, uh, maybe no, I probably you. shouldn't. <laughs> hey, 
it, most of my clients know that I have a business, which means my golf handicap is horrible. <laughs> so <laughs> I, it, ideally, all my golfers are beating me on the course. But that's the thing. And that is what I will tell a lot of people because golf fitness is continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. And I've now become kind of a consultant for some other people in um, colleges and things like that. And a, a strength and conditioning specialist will come to me and said, Great, I don't, I don't know how to work with golfers. Like, what do I do? And, and I'll say, well, do you work with quarterbacks? Oh, yeah. Do you work with pitchers? Yeah. Okay, well, you work with rotational athletes. Like, yeah. our job is not to teach them to put the, the club head on the ball. Our job is to make them as athletic as possible. Let the, the coaches do their coaching. So I, I do not in any way, shape, or form teach golf. If you were to walk by our windows, you may not, you may not realize we even work with golfers. You're not seeing a lot of, like, golf intensive specific movements mm-hmm. but we're seeing you're seeing things to get them more mobility flexibility strength power speed we're just training athletes and then when it comes to then they go to their position coaches on uh, certain schools or they go to their swing coaches that's where they get really good and making sure you're on the same page with those coaches is obviously really important so true and i love that you make the distinction between the two yes so. absolutely now greg greg i can't keep going forward without going back to this whole equestrian thing Uh, We just kind of blew right past that. You know, I know a guy who uh, who's a trainer of professional frisbee golfers or disc golfers. So I so I you know I think that was pretty far out there. But you're you specialize in golf training and equestrian training. So so apparently I think you've reached a new I think you've uh, reached new high in terms of specialties that I would (laughs) never even dreamed of. But uh, my question for for you and for our listeners is: What are the advantages of having these sorts of specializations going for you? Well, obviously, I mean, I'm looked at as one of the basically highest certified golf fitness professionals in Northern California at this point. Um, I have clients coming from the Bay Area. I have clients coming from, uh, I guess most people want to Grass Valley is, but I have clients coming from anywhere from one to two hours away um, because they can't get what they get here somewhere else, which is obviously, it's, it's not good for the industry, but it's good for me. Um, it's also allowed me to connect with new trainers that do want to get more into golf fitness. I would love to open up maybe some franchise, not franchise, but satellite facilities of fit golf, which is, which is what we do. Fit golf is basically the name of the golf fitness program that I run out of my gym, Veramax. Um, I have no problem working alongside another trainer. So if I have someone who has a trainer in San Francisco, um, they come up for a golf fitness evaluation and I connect with them the same way I connect with their doctor or their golf pro is it's just one more team member. It's great. Um, but like having a specialty, like I used to think it was a big deal, but the reality is when you're too specialized, you're only going to get that person. Like ironically, when I first started yeah. working with long drivers, a lot of people stopped coming to me because they only thought I worked with pro golfers and long drivers. Whereas the reality is my, my clientele are my country club members that live right here in Northern California. Um, I started working with juniors and then all of a sudden you get juniors good. Guess where they go? College or uh, the Canadian tour or the South American tour. So if you want a, when we talk about retention, like if everyone you're training is going away every two to three years, that's really hard. Um, so I still train those guys. But when I do social media, when I do talk to people, uh, we do, we are an education provider for the NCPGA. So that's, that's our, our bread and butter when it comes to our clients, but just, You'd be surprised if you look up golf fitness professional, if you're looking for something that isolated, all right, there's not that many people that come up. So that's an extra piece of marketing that, that, that you don't need to actively overly pay for. Um, and like I said, the other thing that I would tell anybody is like, if something, somebody comes to you with a problem and you can fix it, that goes a long way. 
Mm-hmm. I, I didn't intend to be an equestrian specialist. <laughs> um, but ironically, in Sacramento, I don't know how well you know Sacramento, but uh, there's a lot of golfers and there's also a lot of equestrian. And those golfers have uh, wives, sons, or daughters that are equestrian. And some of those equestrian also have uh, wives, sons, and daughters that also golf. So it ends up being a very, very kind of good niche of both of those. But you can fix a problem that, that somebody has. Not only will they thank you for it, but they'll refer, probably refer you others. I love it. And I think that's something that I think of immediately about those two sports or those two events is they're both relatively expensive. So if you can afford to play those or do those two activities on a regular absolutely. basis, you can probably afford to hire somebody to help you get better at it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, my one experience, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say one, my one experience with, uh, with equestrian, uh, when I went to college, I went to Fresno State, we had an equestrian team. And uh, there were several people there on full ride scholarships. And I remember uh, one of them told me that there wasn't a lot of competition for those full ride scholarships. So right. that's why they put a lot of focus into it. Right. Well, honestly, that used to be golf. <laughs> um, like we, uh, we have a, uh, I, I remember when I was in high school, I don't, I, I think we may have had a golf team. I don't remember, maybe five kids during COVID golf, the golf industry exploded during COVID. It did very, very well. It was an outdoor sport. It's naturally distanced. We had a local school here in Sacramento that's right up the road from us, Jesuit High School. At one point, they had 60 kids try out for their golf team, 6-0. Come to find out, there was another school up the way that had 50. Like a lot of these kids that that couldn't play their sport figured they'd try this, and a lot of people liked it. I had kids basically give up on their primary sport because they they were athletic enough. They became really good at golf, and now they're looking at potentially getting a, a golf scholarship where they were very unlikely to get a scholarship in their primary sport because, I mean, you're talking about the big four, football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Well, maybe not hockey out here, but um, that's a lot of competition. Like you're talking the 1% of the 1%. So a equestrian is now kind of in that, that spot. And I, when I first used the hashtag equestrian fitness, there wasn't much there. <laughs> and now not only am I seeing some stuff that I've posted, but I'm like, oh, Hey, Kent Farrington, who's this world-renowned rider, is doing some crazy stuff on a stability ball type of stuff. So, and again, I just learned what I needed to and figured it out. That's awesome. So I want to circle back to like building your business and your studio. You mentioned when you were hiring employees and expanding your current studio and that hopefully you'll get to get some satellite places. So I'm at the point in my sports performance where I almost, I'm about to hire somebody else to help me, like somebody that I can pay to help me with all these sports teams that I worked with. Cause there's so many. And every year I get asked to do more, but I'm only one person and I only have so much time when you're hiring employees to work with you. Are you hiring like a credential and you're looking for somebody who's like a mini Greg, or are you looking for somebody who has the credentials, the minimum credentials that you want, that's open to learning and has a great personality. What are you hiring for? Personality relationships. For sure. Um, I would, I really went back and forth about this because again, do I want another me? And my first off now, after going through the process, I would say absolutely not. Um, we have a really, really, so there's a staff of five now. There's four trainers and Samantha's doing the admin stuff. And what's cool is we all have a slightly different personality. We all have slightly different methods. I usually tell people because we share clients. Uh, our semi-private clients can see anybody. So when they come into Veramax Fitness, if I'm not available, they can sign up with Chris or Curtis or Angie, and they're going to get a similar feel. They might have slightly different. And I'll tell people, we have very, very similar philosophies, but we might have different methods. Um, so I love trap bar deadlifts. If you're working out with me and you're only coming <laughs> in once a week, odds are you're trap bar deadlifting. Uh, so it's just kind of one of those things. But 
it's it's personality first and even when i interview like i i want to know like can you crack a joke uh mm-hmm. are you too serious and like obviously the philosophy goes a long way but the reality is the two trainers that we happen to hire most recently like the first trainer that i hired when i opened my doors was brand new to training and it she did end up becoming kind of a, a, not a mini me but like a, a mimic of me because all she knew was what she learned through me mm-hmm. and that was really good to begin with the the last couple that we hired one of them has been in the industry for a long time over 10 years another one's fairly new in the industry only 2 years so they came in with two very different like skill sets but as long as they understand the premise and the way that we work i can share clients with both of them and I, i'm i'm remembering exercises that i forgot about decades yeah. ago I'm like ah oh, yeah, man i haven't done that forever so now it, it's just nice to have people around again, because being a one man show for so long, I just, I got stuck in my ways. Um, yeah. so it's like, yeah, personality for sure. Um, uh, but it's also like, you don't want everyone at the same personality level. Sure. Um, we have one, one trainer who's just an energizer bunny, uh, go, go, go cheerleader style. Like, yeah, you can do it. Not everyone responds to that. Mm-hmm. We have another trainer who, who will kind of sit right next to you and, and, and talk to you face to face the whole time. Not everyone likes that either. So I, I'm, I like to be able to go, Hey, you might work well with them or you want to work well with them. So it's like you want a good personality, but you want to balance, especially when you start hiring people. You don't want just a bunch of yous. Perfect. That makes perfect sense. And plus you can teach them things like the systems, right? right. The methodology, the training style that you have or that you want to deliver uh, so that it is a relatively consistent experience for your clients. Right. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Because people always ask, like, how do I scale my business? And that includes hiring other trainers, right. To perform the services versus, would you say it's more important to hire another trainer versus hiring an admin first? Um, I'll let you know when I figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) I I hired an admin first because I hate admin and, and I was seeing what Samantha was doing with her business and doing well. And I was, I was avoiding literally was, I was, I'm not good at it. I was avoiding it. Um, no newsletters, no social media, no this, no that. I just did the absolute bare essential of what was needed to pay my taxes. (laughs) <laughs> um, but now like she's starting to bring now all that stuff on. So having her first has now allowed us when we did bring on trainers, she's doing all the social media to help promote them. I'm like, you're not going to see a lot of my face on our social media right now because my schedule is full. If anything, I want them. I want some of my clients to go over to them. I wouldn't be good at that. So in my situation, because I did not like administrative, it was smarter for me to hire administrative first, even though I didn't know it at the time. It's just the way it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, so it's individual. I like that. Very cool. Greg, we're, we're, we're getting to the end of our talk here. And clearly, you've had a lot of good experience um, and, and a lot of education behind you. Uh, but can you give our listeners maybe one big piece of advice, uh, especially if they're just getting started in the fitness industry? I, the biggest thing is everyone goes in with a plan. Don't be afraid to deviate from that plan. Like I said, everything I've done literally from the start of my career was never intended. I wasn't planning on being a personal trainer. I wasn't planning on working in golf fitness. I wasn't planning on being an independent contractor in you know, my own business. And I wasn't planning on opening a brick and mortar. All those things scared the heck out of me. So when an opportunity just happens to randomly arise that maybe is not directly in your path, everybody wants to work with pro athletes. Great. However, you may realize, okay, if Mr. or Mrs. Jones comes in your door and needs your help, don't be afraid to help them because any experience is good experience. And what you also may find is you may find a passion that you had no idea you had a passion about. It's hard to find your passion. 
So don't push things away, assuming it's not your passion until you give yourself an opportunity. I like that. Yeah, and that's similar to what I was talking uh, the other day with Brian Grosso about business. And he said something very similar. So I'd love to hear that reiterated with you, Greg. Um, yeah, you never know until you try it, right? right. And, and it might be end up some, being something like golf is for you that's your bread and butter, right? Thing that, yeah. yep. that butters your biscuit more than anything else, which is awesome. I must be hungry if I'm talking about <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I need food. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, how can our listeners find you, whether it's on social media, your website for Veramax? How can our listeners find you, Greg? Yeah, I mean, the easiest to remember is veramaxfitness.com. spelled V-A-R-I-M-A-X, Veramax. Uh, which is, by the way, everyone asked me, it's several correlated and uncorrelated factors put into an equation to create an outcome. It's a, it's a math term, but that's what- Nerd. Right. <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm a data geek too. But yeah, Instagram, Instagram is G Johnson Fit. I'm not great at social media. Go through the websites. I'm more likely to respond to an email, but I'm, I'm doing better. G Johnson Fit, G Johnson Fitness. I'm trying. Love it. Thank you very much for sharing that. And thank you for joining us. I- would love to have you back for an ISSA talk to talk specifically on our YouTube channel about golf fitness. You down Let's for it? Let's do it. Absolutely. I would love that. All right. More coming from this guy. Love it. Thank you for that. John, any last words for our listeners today? Yeah. You know, hey, 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 listeners, just to summarize a few things that I, I took away. Certainly, we, we say this uh, on, on most of our podcasts, but uh, education goes a long way. And, and to Greg's point, uh, some education and business, when you open up your own business, can really go a long way. And maybe uh, save some heartache. And then lastly, sometimes opportunity comes knocking and, and it's not an opportunity that you uh, even knew was out there. And sometimes it might be the greatest opportunity for you in your career. So don't be afraid. Yes. And I love that you were so vulnerable with us, Greg, about like your, when you started up, the financial issues, things like that, because people yeah. need to hear that. Some people so think was... it's going to be all unicorns and rainbows and oh my gosh, no. I so <laughs> but it's, it's hard. Right? It's no. tough starting out. And for some people, that toughness may last. It may last, you know, a year. For some people, it might last five or six years until they get themselves rolling. But you have to be resilient. You have to be willing to push through that um, and find solutions for whatever you're going through. But hopefully, if you put in the work and you do all the right things, you'll you'll find the, the rainbow on the other side. Right. So, Hard times will come. Absolutely. It's the resiliency yeah. that will get you through. Yep. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for being with us here, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you guys for listening. It has been a blast. And as always, we implore you to make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon, guys. 